Thank you, Jesus. Are we really lost without him? Just think about that. If we didn't have him, where would we be? We wouldn't have no peace, no joy. This way we can live and know that he is on our side, that he is always with us, that we can call upon him at any time and he'll answer us. That is absolutely awesome. Let's just pray. Father, we just praise you and we thank you and we worship you and we glorify your holy name. You are so awesome. You are so magnificent. You're so wonderful. We give you honor this morning, today, every day, that every breath that we breathe praise you and worship you because you are truly worthy. We thank you that you have given us another day in which to walk out your plan and your purpose. We thank you, Father, that you empowered us to complete the mission that you have for each one of us. And we thank you, Lord, that as we study and meditate upon the word, that the word will become more alive, that we will understand the secrets and the mysteries and, and receive the truth of every aspect of who you are and who we are. So we thank you, Father, that as we open up our hearts this morning, that you will write the word on the tablet of our heart. And it will change us. It will deliver us. It will heal us. It will make us more like you, because the word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you and we bless you this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. My heart has been heavy uh, because I talked with so many Christians about the Word and they're not desiring to get in the Word, to read the Word, to spend time in the Word, to meditate on the Word. Uh, Some of them, they go weeks. You know, they hear the Word on Sunday, but they go weeks without getting into the Word. It's like, Jesus is the Word, and if you want to talk to him, you've got to get in the Word. You've got to hear the Word so that the Word will renew your mind so that your mind then can agree with what the Word says, and you can walk in the realm of the Spirit. So I put together um, a little teaching this morning on how to really study the Word, how to read the Word, how to study it, how to meditate on it, and in hopes that, that people will get the desire to know the covenants they made with the Father. We made a covenant with them, but we don't know what the covenant is other than uh, we have made him Lord of our life, and he said that if we make him Lord, that he would be our God and be with us. But other than that, we really don't know a whole lot unless we get into the Word. And so therefore, let's see what the Word says about um, how important it is. And I know I've talked... I've spoken on uh, how important the word is before, but it's more and more and more of the word that if we do not speak the word, we're not going to rule and reign in the earth. And we look at the earth and we see we've missed it somewhere. And so uh, we better get it if we want Jesus to come back. 
So 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Well, if the scripture is God-breathed and it is useful for all those other things, uh, I think we need to be in it. Because uh, even though the sin nature has been removed, our mind still is operating according to what we uh, we see, we hear, taste, touch, feel, and all those things. And so we need the word to change and correct and train us in the way of righteousness. The word of God is, in, is important to us as Christians for three reasons. Uh, it provides light and comfort. In other words, the word is light. It brings us the understanding of who God is. And it, it dispels all the darkness that was ever in there, or in us. It provides uh, light and comfort. Well, I already said that. It is a sanctifying agent. In other words, it's going to purify us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, of the way we do things according to the world. And it's a weapon to be used to advance the kingdom of God, fight off temptation, and cast down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And if you're not in the word, then you really don't have a weapon against the enemy because he knows the word and he knows uh, if you're not using the word, then you're still living in his kingdom or in his pathway and he has power and authority over you. Therefore, how to get the best understanding and revelation from the word in studying of the word. How do we get the best understanding and revelation from the study of the word? There are four important keys. We prepare, we read, we picture, and we observe. Out of these four, it's important to understand and compare all information received to the covenant that God has made with man. In other words, a covenant is an agreement between two or more parties that is made by a promise or oath, and it is binding. And like I said before, we've made a covenant, but we do not know what is in the covenant that we made. Because in a, in a man-to-man covenant, each party makes up the rules of what they will agree to, and then the two of you read and agree on the rules and then sign it and make your oath and promise to it. But as a covenant with God, we don't know what the agreement is yet other than we know God loves us and we probably heard that he is going to never leave us or forsake us. But there's a lot more to a relationship than that. In Genesis 17, 7, it says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Now, that's quite a a promise to us. Uh, It's not only for us, but it's for all of our descendants after us. In Psalms 89.34, it says, I will not violate my covenant, nor will I alter even one word of what my lips have spoken. So we know from the scriptures that God is not a, uh, a man that he should lie. And so whatever he says, he's going to do. But there is also uh, things on our part that we have to do in order to receive them.
If you do not understand God's covenant, it would benefit you greatly to study what God has given and promised to man throughout this covenant exchange. We have spent years studying the covenant, and uh, each each time we go over it, each time we meditate on it, we learn a little more, and it, it gets a little deeper. And uh, it, it is absolutely awesome that uh, God loved us so much that he was willing to give uh, and keep on giving to us. We believe this to be the foundation of our relationship with the Father, and we believe that um, if you really don't understand the covenant, you can't understand the Word, because um, God is the Word, and He has already already made specific promises to us. Some of them have conditions, but if you don't really understand the power of it, it'll keep you from really truly receiving the the revelation of the Word. So our first uh, thing we want to do in getting into the Word is prepare. Um, so many people, they just pick up the Bible and um, they start reading and they read maybe a couple verses. It's like, well, I don't understand this. Um, and they put it down. Or they read it in the whole chapter and they're, they're done reading it. They don't understand it and they put it down. Well, we have to prepare our hearts before we read the word, because the word is precious, and it is the greatest story ever written. And so, therefore, we want to be prepared in our hearts, in our mind, and in our attitude to receive what it says to us. Don't read it and say, this is for John, this is for Mary, this is for Amy. (laughs) We read it for us, because it is a story written to us. Each individual will find his or her own way to quiet their minds and prepare their hearts to connect and receive from the Father. So there is no specific, you do this and this happens, do that and that happens. No, everybody is different. As we mature in our relationship, our hearing will become as natural as breathing, whereby we can hear any time or place even amid all the, amidst all the, the kind of noise and clutter of the world. We have to be alert, attentive, and excited about what you're going to hear, learn, and receive. I know years ago, before I got saved, every time I picked up the Bible, I'd start out in Genesis. I'm going to read the Bible, and I'd start out in Genesis, and I'd read the first chapter, and it's like, I don't understand this. You read the second chapter, well, I don't understand this either. And then after a while, it's like, and then I go into the New Testament, and then I didn't understand Matthew either. <laughs> and so it was like, you know, I don't know if I really want to read this. But we have to spend some time in praise and worship, either with music or verbally acknowledgement of who he is. Um, I think uh, the most important thing is to quiet our mind. In other words, make this a special time where you're going to spend with the Lord, you're going to read his word, you're going to meditate on it, and you're going to ask questions to see what he has to say to you uh, or um, how he wants to reveal it to you. And everybody has their own way of quieting their minds and, and settling down before the Lord. Now we know that the devil's going to try to do everything he can to distract you. The phone ring. 
the doorbell will ring, the kids cry, your husband's screaming at you, or whatever, and you just have to let the other party know, or parties in your household that say, I'm going away to spend time with the Lord, and I don't want to be interrupted. And it is awesome, because you're totally engulfed in his presence. And when I go before him, I see him high and lifted up. And I want to sit at his feet and receive everything he has for me. And I do not want to be interrupted for any worldly reason. There's usually somebody else in the house that can take care of the situation. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, spend time praying in your prayer language. If you're not, uh, then you can ask the Lord to baptize you. And you'll get a prayer language from from the the, uh, the Father, and it'll be a language that you and him can communicate together with. In 1 Corinthians 14.2, it says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, albeit in the Spirit he speaks the mystery. When we pray in our, our prayer language, we don't always understand what we say, but we're praying directly to the Father, and the enemy cannot interfere. He does not know what you're saying. Therefore, our supernatural tongue expresses what is in our spirit and what we cannot express with words. We don't always know how to pray, but our spirit does, and our spirit will pray the perfect prayer for us. When you feel you're ready, you can begin to read or journal, whichever you prefer to do first. Now, I'm uh, more established in my relationship, so I like to journal first. And so I quiet myself before the Lord, and I begin to journal as the Lord speaks to me. And usually, he'll lead me to some scripture or some passage where he wants me to study, or, uh, you know, whatever it is that he wants to reveal to me uh, that day, I write it all down. And then after... um, I'm through journaling. If he told me to look up a specific scripture or to look up a, a specific uh, word, I do that, and then that is kind of my study for the morning. And I'm just sharing that as to what I'm what I do. Everybody else is different. You do whatever the Lord leads you to do, and whatever is best for you. Now, in John 10:27 and 28, it says the um, the sheep that are my own here and are listening to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, Jesus refers to his children as sheep, so let me give you a few interesting facts about the sheep. The sheep have no sense of direction. They are not dumb, like a lot of people think. They just need a shepherd to lead them. Now, isn't that just like God to say, we're not dumb, we just need a shepherd to lead us. We need to follow him. In Isaiah 53, 6, this is, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Haven't we all gone astray at one time or one point in our life? We were all astray before we met him. And he wants to bring us back into the fold. Sheep are defenseless. Have you ever heard a sheep growl or show their teeth, bark, bite? No, actually they're very friendly. I love to be around sheep because if you're out on the pasture with them, they'll come right up to you and they'll start nibbling, nibbling on you. Nibbling, not eating, just nibble. They just like to nibble. 
They're very friendly. They do have some protection together as a group. They feel more protected if there's a lot of sheep around them. And then the mother you will kick to protect her young. But that's all the defense that they do or have. And that's why they need the shepherd to watch for wolves, to watch for uh, whatever else might be out in the, in the wild that would uh, harm them or hurt them or frighten them because they will, they will run away if they hear something that's, that's uh, frightening. In Matthew 9:36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And we can see that now in this world when we see, uh, when you go to, when you see a concert on TV, you look at the crowds and you think, oh my gosh, all these people out there screaming and hollering and jumping up and down and acting like a maniac. And there's so many of them that are lost. You know, they're like a sheep and they need a shepherd to say, hey, you know, this is not the entertainment, you know, that I prefer for you. I have better things for you. And that's not to say that everybody at a concert is not saved. I'm just saying that the majority of them are not. And so, and even if they are, maybe their relationship isn't where it should be. Sheep can't get up without help. Sometimes sheep lay down and they turn over on their backs uh, and they turn over so far that their legs will be dangling up in the air. They're like straight on their back. They're not able to turn themselves over, so the shepherd has to help put them back on their feet or they will die. It's like they don't have the strength within their body to to turn themselves over so that they can get up. And so that's another uh, reason that, that they need a shepherd. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. Now, he does that to us. He gathers all of us in his arms. When we come before him, he'll hug you, he'll hold you. And he'll carry us in his bosom if need be and gently lead us to where we need to go. Sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. Sheep have a remarkable instinct for knowing the voice of their shepherd because they are emotional animals and they can detect strangers. Amazingly, they will fear a stranger's voice and flee. I wanted to share this. I was checking that out on the computer uh, about a month ago. And they had a little video on there where they showed this big uh, uh, field of sheep. And um, there was two people that were standing by the fence. One was a person that was not the shepherd, and the other was the shepherd of the flock. <coughs> so the person that wasn't the shepherd, she kept calling the sheep and calling the sheep and calling the sheep. And not one of them lifted their head. They heard the voice, but not one of them lifted their head. So then he said, let me do it. He called the sheep, and everybody immediately lifted their heads. He called a second time, and they all came running. They knew the shepherd's voice. They knew perhaps there was danger, or there was some reason why the shepherd was calling them. 
And that just really registered in my spirit how they were that sensitive to his voice. And this is how sensitive we have to be to our shepherd's voice. That we can hear all these voices in the world and we don't respond to them. But we hear the shepherd's voice and we immediately raise our head and say, Yes, Lord. Therefore, what they lack in direction, they make up for in loyalty and friendship. Like I said before, they're very friendly. And I just love them because I love their their wool. You know, especially um, when it's heavy. You know, it, it, you can put your fingers in it because it goes way down. They have a lot of wool and things. And if they're, they're uh, newly shaved, well, then they're just real smooth. And I don't like that. But I like to put my fingers down in the wool and feel it. <laughs> John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Just like I said before, we need to know the shepherd and follow him. Sheep do not carry heavy loads. They are not physically made to carry a weight on their back. They would be crushed under such a burden. And this is why Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. We are not created and made to carry to carry heavy loads and burdens. Not spiritually. We're supposed to cast our cares and our burdens on him because he cares for us. And he has the answer and the wisdom for it if we will look to him and seek to find it. Sheep will settle for less. When sheep are thirsty, they will stop at a dirty puddle right in front of them instead of going for clean waters just a few feet away. Doesn't that remind you of some men? Um, they will stop and do stupid things for satisfaction instead of just going a little farther and realizing that if they made the right decision, they could have had a greater blessing. And that's, that's not only um, spiritual people, but this is people in the world too. You know, sometimes they do stupid things and then they... Um, lose out on the blessing that they really could have had. Sadly, they are content with a filth so long as it satisfies them for a moment. And that's like man. We we want to be satisfied for the moment. So we're willing to sin. We're willing to do this. We're willing to do that just for the satisfaction for the moment. And again, that's why he's, he, uh, he says we're kind of like sheep. Isn't that like men? We always want to be satisfied for the moment. This is why men is compared to sheep, because we don't always know what is good for us and not always willing to wait for the master to lead. In Psalms 23, 1 and 2, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I want for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We... As his children want for nothing, everything has been provided for us. We just have to receive it. We have to go get it. By faith, we go get it. If we have a need, don't sit there and wait for it to come. Go get it with your faith. Sheep are valuable. The significance of sheep in the Bible is probably more important than you ever realized. You were counted as a wealthy man if you owned large flocks because they provided meat, milk, and wool. 
and also produced offsprings. Now, some people like lamb meat. Uh, I do not like uh, their milk. And, of course, we know that wool, the wool, it has a lot of benefits. And so if you had a lot of a sheep, you were considered as a, a rich man. John 1.29, it says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We can look at the Lamb of God who was Jesus and who was willing to go to the cross for us. And he followed the shepherd, which was God the Father, and until he finished his plan and his purpose. Jesus, the perfect Lamb, became valuable as he prepares to change the world, as he prepared to change the world, and he was the most valuable lamb ever. We as his children are to continue his work on behalf of the most valuable lamb. That is our uh, position as born-again believers and as his uh, redeemed uh, children to carry on the plan and the purpose that, that God started in the beginning with Jesus. Sheep cannot care for themselves when wounded. Most animals have a way of taking care of their wounds. Many can lick their wounds until it heals, but not sheep. A shepherd tends to their injuries, usually by uh, using a salve that would cover the wound and begin the healing process. A good shepherd would then look after the wound constantly until it was healed completely. And I know they they say... uh, a lot of times that the shepherd would break the legs of the of the lamb and carry him on his shoulders if he strayed or or, or if he got wounded or hurt that's not true um, no no shepherd would break the leg of a of a lamb there is precious uh prodigies you know to watch over however they do and they will take a little lamb uh, a baby lamb and put them on their shoulder and carry them if they're wounded uh, a lot, or if they tend to be rebellious and continue to stray all the time where they could get really hurt. So to teach them, then they, they do put them on their shoulders and carry them maybe for a day or so until they learn they got to stay with the flock. In Psalm 14, 7 through 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. That's talking about us. He heals our brokenhearted. He heals us when we're rebellious and prideful and try to run from the flock or stay behind the flock or go away from the flock. And he bandages our wounds. He heals us. By his stripes, we are already healed. Sheep are innocent. In Christianity, sheep symbolizes gentleness, purity, and innocence. It was a lamb that was sacrificed at Passover because it represented the Lamb of God, flawless, pure, and holy. We are to be innocent as lambs, pure, and righteousness, and holy. Matthew twenty-five thirty-two says, And he will separate the, the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now we have to remember that the goats are independent. They're strong-willed and very destructive. If you're out in a field and a goat goat comes after you, you better look for safety (laughs) because they'll get you with their horns. And they're they're very, 
they're very strong-willed and destructive. You can say, go away, or you can try to shoo them away, and, and they just keep coming right after you. And so uh, there, there is that difference between the sheep and the goats, and that's why uh, God has separated us from those that aren't in Christ. The shepherd will take a little lamb who is wounded or strayed and put them on their shoulder, know that that's a good thing, and uh, we should also do that, and we do that with our kids too when they're hurting you know, we're there to comfort them. We're there to uh, stay up all night with them and, and to do whatever we can to protect them. John 10, 11 through 15 says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired is a hired hand and not a shepherd sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But I lay down my life for the sheep. So if you're a a hired shepherd that is working for money, you really don't care about the sheep. You know, you're out there to tend them and maybe see that most of them get to where they got to go or to get to have food and drink. But if you're a true shepherd, that is your life. Like David was a shepherd. He was a shepherd of the sheep. And because he was such a great shepherd, I believe God saw his heart and saw that he was... uh, He was a man after his heart, and he could be somebody that was used for his kingdom. Just like sheep, we have no eternal direction without him. We lack protection on every side, and we are never meant to carry a heavy load. We are to depend upon our master for all things pertaining to life. On the other hand, I find it heartwarming that as senseless as sheep are, God made them so valuable. You you think of how, uh, compared to God, how unintelligent we are. We use 10% of our brain. Uh, We don't have the wisdom. We don't even compare, you know, to the Father God. And yet, we are so valuable to him. And he loves us so much. You never think that they had any redeeming qualities because they are such wanderers. But they do, in fact. They are a symbol of great blessings and prosperity. So if you're a sheep owner, you, you, it's really a symbol that you have great blessings and prosper. Because, like I said before, um, they have the meat. You can eat them. You can drink their milk. And they do have offsprings, and so you're blessed. Revelation 7.17, for the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. Isn't that awesome? Okay, the next um, thing that we should prepare for is to read and study. I just had read up there, but it says, Now if you already have a relationship with the Father, seek the Holy Spirit to where and what you should read. Uh, so many people say, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know what book to go to. I don't know what to read. Well, 
If you're new in the Lord, find and read something that would minister to you regarding an issue you, you may be having at the present time. And don't tell me you can't go on the computer and find out uh, some scriptures that are talking about uh, unforgiveness if you're having that issue or if you're having, uh, if you need healing or if you're stressed or if you're in anxiety. You can always find scriptures that you can go read. So don't tell me that you don't know where to read. Or, and I don't suggest you just open up the Bible and, and read a scripture either because sometimes if you open it up to the Old Testament, it could be very depressing. So use the resources that we have to help us so that we have a desire to, to read and to get into the Word. It is important to read the complete subject and thought so you get the whole content of the subject. Now, we have to remember that 75% of the Bible was written in story format and 15% was written in some time of poetry. So it is a story, it is a thought, it is a subject. So sometimes we have to go back uh, several scriptures to find out where the subject or the story starts and then read the whole content of it. Otherwise, you're just picking a scripture in the middle of something and you're you're trying to understand what's, what it is saying and you don't know what's said before or after. So begin reading slowly so you can comprehend all aspects of the story or content. Spend a few moments when you have finished to think on and recall what occurred in the passage. In other words, think about what you read. And then I'm going to go into that a little more into one of the other um, ways in which you can study. Now let's picture what you're reading. Now have you heard of the five W's and H? The term five W's and H refers to the six basic questions to ask when gathering information or solving a problem. This method can also be used in understanding spiritual things. We ask who, what, where, when, why, and how. And you can ask those on every passage you you read. And you should to find out what they're all talking about, who's talking, when, and so forth. If If we can get answers to all six questions, it should give us clarity to any questions we may have, answer a solution to a problem that needs solved, or it may give us answers to any biblical mysteries. So if we uh, ask, knock, and seek long enough, you will get the revelation of a scripture. I know uh, years ago there was a lot of scriptures I read, and it's like, okay, now what does that really mean? And there were years that went by, and I would, I'm still saying, well, what does that really mean? And after you spend time meditating on it and asking all these questions, he's going to give you the answer. Because he's going to take you from one scripture to the other, and that's going to give you a, a, a partial answer. And then the next scripture will give you something else. And sometimes the answer is right in the content of what you're talking about. Remember, we want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us uh, to receive the spiritual answers to the word we are reading. We don't want to get the understanding in our mind. We don't want to reason it out in our mind, we want to get the spiritual answers from the Holy Spirit or from the Word. Now use your imagination to place yourself inside the story. When was it written? 
who is the information being written to? Who is the author? What authority does he have? What did he experience from what he saw? Or what is his own relationship with Jesus? These are all questions you can ask. Imagine the tone of his voice. Did he speak in love, anger, or was his attitude kind and gentle? In other words, sometimes when you read scriptures where uh, uh, there's a little more, um, when Jesus got angry in, in the, uh, the temple and, and cast out the money changers, you can just imagine he raised his voice a little bit. And in other scriptures, you know, where it's talking about God's love, you can just sense the, the peace and the joy that comes from, from the love of what he is saying. So what is the subject? What is he actually talking about? Where was the author when he wrote the story? When did the author write the information? Was he with Jesus or did he write it after Jesus went to heaven? Why did the author write what he wrote and how is it written? Is it written in Hebrew? Is it written in Greek? Is it written in Aramaic or however you say that? Um, relate the story to other scriptures you know you have read. If you read it in the Gospels, a lot of times the same story in, is in all three or even all four. So read it in each book and it'll say a little something different that may give you a better understanding of what it's saying. Ask yourself, what does this mean to me and how can I apply this information or these principles to my life? It's not just something that God is saying to you. It's how can, this, how can I apply this to my life? See yourself as one of the main characters. How would you portray the story or if you were someone less important, how would you react to the message of the story? You might think this is a lot to do to read the Bible, but the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We have to know it. We have to agree with it. We have to speak it. We have to say it because this is how we operate in the kingdom. Uh, and this is how we're going to accomplish the work that the Father uh, has called for us to do. Most of this information can come from the outline history at the beginning of each book. If you have a Bible, it'll tell you all the answers to that. It'll tell you who, when it was written, who read it, who wrote it, or what, uh, what time before Christ, after Christ, um, or whatever. So most of the stuff you can glean from the from the beginning of the book. It will tell you the uh, everything you need to know, even the, the outline of the contents, so that you know what's in the book. Okay, the first three chapters are are about grace. The last three chapters are about how you walk in in grace or, or whatever. So now our last way of spending time in the Word is to observe. We want to specifically know what is happening around you in the passage. So where are you? Are you in the midst of the story or you are, are you outside afar off? In other words, can you imagine yourself in the story at that time, seeing uh, these people, what they're wearing, you know, their, their surroundings, how they're living, and so forth? Or, or is your mind on uh, what you're going to do in the afternoon, or you've got to go to the store, or you've got to do this, or you've got to do that, and you're trying to read the Word? You need to find out where you are when you're reading it. 
Now observe what the word is saying to the flesh and how you can relate that to the spirit. In other words, sometimes the stories or the parables have to do with the flesh. In other words, it's giving a fleshly illustration for a spiritual understanding. Okay, so what is it saying to the flesh? Okay, now how does this relate to the spirit or how can I judge the spiritual understanding of this? What does this place in the story look like in your mind? How do you, how do the words you hear make you feel? How do you hear the sound of the words? Are the words soft, loud, like I said before? What about smell? Do you smell anything? Sometimes you can smell old, you can smell cattle, you can smell flowers, a fragrance if you're reading about flowers. These, these are all imaginations. These are all, uh, Things that, that we can gather from the word. So see yourself in the story. Gain a sense of who the people are in the passage. Um, and where are they? What are they doing? And what does that information tell you about them? Uh, one thing, I don't know if you all have seen The Chosen. Uh, that's, those are very good stories about the word. And it puts you right in the story. I mean, it does me anyway. Uh, even though they're not all exactly right on. It puts you in the story at the time. Uh, you understand that they didn't have the conveniences that we did. We, you can understand that they, they, they um, you know, you just put yourself right in the story and you can realize what they were going through, why they were wanting to follow Jesus, uh, because he was telling them something that he they weren't hearing from anyone else. And, they had a desire for a better life than where they were living. So if you haven't watched any of those, uh, please do. I, I think you can still get them. Now, when you study, you can check commentaries or other versions of the Bible, look up meanings of words just to get a fresh understanding of a word. But we have the Holy Spirit who is the teacher living on the inside of us, and we want to call on him for his wisdom and revelation. And a lot of times if you call upon him and you sit and you meditate on that particular word or that particular passage and stay there long enough, he will give you the understanding of it. And that's why I'm saying if you're going to spend time with the Lord, don't don't say I'm going to spend 10 minutes reading the word. That's not a bad thing. That's okay to do that. But there needs to be a time during the day where you actually set uh, special time, a way to spend with him, even if it's just a half an hour. But take that half an hour to just spend with him and you alone. Remember, whoever has revelation will rule and reign in the earthly realm. Your feet will never take you to where your mind has not been. If your mind hasn't been in the word, if your mind hasn't been in and knowing and understanding that Jesus loves you, that you died and was buried and resurrected with him, that you have power and authority and dominion on the earth, that, that you can heal the sick, cast out demons, um, and so on and so forth. If you don't know that, then you haven't spent time in the Word. Remember, the Word and the truth of the Word has supernatural power. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, God means what he says and what he says goes. 
His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, lying us open to listen, obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. So if you want to walk in the realm of the Spirit, the word must be received as truth, the way of life, and spiritual revelation in order to function as God's representatives in his kingdom so that we can do the same works. He says we can do the same works. So if we can do the same works, then we have to know that we can do the same works. We have to know that we know that we know that we have been given a power and authority and dominion to speak his word and the same thing that happened to Jesus has to happen to us in this world. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you're teaching us and showing us and revealing us the true importance of your word. It is more important than really life itself because it is life. And what we speak, we receive. So we want to speak the life and the light of your word so that we can receive uh, not only the guidance and directions to help others, but the blessings that they need and the blessings that we need in order to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish. So we give you praise and honor and glory this morning that you have placed us on a tablet of our heart and that each of us are going to take our own um, life and our own way of spending time with you to gather the information, the knowledge, and the revelation we need to, to finish the course that you have placed before us. In Jesus' name, amen.